let's get to the message. Last week we were speaking on running our best lap, um, hence the reason of the picture. Running our best lap. And I, I, you know, I know so many of you were encouraged by the word last week, and it just really spoke into your life. I walked into... I walked into the office over in Portsmouth, and I have one the guy who, who puts all the uh, recordings um, of the messages online, and he came running up to me and said, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jeff, everyone needs to hear that message. So if you've not heard last week's message, can I encourage you to go away and listen to it again? Um, because last week was really about how we as individuals need to be focused on going in the right direction. And we looked at the Apostle Paul before he became the Apostle Paul. And he was heading in a direction where he was passionately serving what he thought was God's will. But actually, he was heading not only in the wrong direction, he was on the wrong track. And he, was, he thought he was doing so well, but actually he wasn't. And then he had a God encounter, um, which turned his life around. And it's just a, a great message for each and every one of us. This picture here, when I had Jonathan sort of balanced on my back, and, and just so you are aware, my back hasn't been the same all week long. Um, it was really to illustrate, if we're going to run our best race, we cannot run our best race whilst we're doing somebody else's work or two or three other people's work, and how important it is for all of us to roll up our sleeves and say, what can I do? How can I serve? What would you like me to do? It's really important that we have a heart to serve in God's house. You know, they who are planted in the house will flourish in the courts of our God. It's so important that we're planted and that we're serving. But this week, I just really wanted to move on because we concluded with a passage of Scripture that was speaking, Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. He was sharing with them some, some thoughts about what church life should look like, what it should feel like, what, when you walk through the door, uh, what you should expect to see in every church. You know, there's, there's a thought going around, every church looks the same. Well, that's because we're the same. In, in all honesty, the body of Christ, there are variations. Every person in this, pers- in this room is a person. It's a human being, right? You've got two eyes, you've got two legs, you've got eyes, nose, ears. You are, we all look alike. Well, the body of Christ all looks alike. Why? Because we're the body of Christ. Therefore, you know, if you saw someone walking down the road with forearms, and well, we've all got forearms, I know. Oh, I shouldn't have gone there with forearms, should I? The forearms. If we, if we saw someone walking down the road with, with, with eight arms and, and, and two, two, um, two, two noses and, and, and one nose upside down, we would think that's strange. Well, the reason that we all look fairly similar is because we're created in the image of God. And what, the reason why the church looks so similar is we're, we're following the church of the first century and what's been handed down from generation to generation. And Paul here now is speaking to the church at Corinthians, the Corinth church, and he's speaking some powerful things that relate to the journey of his life and the journey of their lives in Corinth when the Isthmian games were working and and, and happening at that time. So we're going to pick up what Paul is speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And he says this, and we, I know we read it last week, but there's so much here. He says, do you not know? And remember last week I said, the fact that he said, do you not know, was inferring that there are Christians in the church in Corinth that weren't aware of what he was saying. And there, I believe that we have the same issues that followed church life. We have still got people in church 
who do not know. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? We are all running. You are running your race. You are running your Christian race. How you're running is down to you as an individual. But we are all in this race. And it says, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I, I, one of the greatest races that I have ever watched um, at the Olympic Games was um, Carl Lewis, and in one of the other lanes was Ben Johnson. And you had Ben Johnson, he was, he was like, he was just such a physique of a muscular built guy. And you saw him on the, li- on the line, his eyes piercing to the end result. And you just saw him staring. I, I, I'll, get that, I'll get that picture at some point. And, and you see him ready to do this race. And, and there was such build up between Ben Johnson and Carl Lewis. Carl Lewis was a Christian. Carl Lewis was winning everything at the time. He was a 100 meter sprint. He was a gold medalist. He was a, a 200 meter. He was the 400 meter, uh, four by four, 100 meter run, um, gold medalist. He was winning everything at the time. But Ben Johnson was on the scene, and everyone was betting on Ben Johnson beating Carl Lewis. Got to the end of the race, and Ben Johnson won it. But within two hours, he was disqualified. How can you imagine what that must have been like? Everyone thought, wow, what a run. There were those who were saying, just look at his eyes. There's something not right with his eyes. We have to examine our heart. Is there something in our heart and in our life that disqualifies us? Or are we on the right track, heading in the right direction, full on for God? Because sometimes there, are, there may be areas of our life where we disqualify ourselves from the race. But God doesn't want you to walk disqualified. He wants to bring you in to the race and to run with all your heart. See, the Apostle Paul here describes the Christian life as a fight. You know, it, it, it was it not um, it was it who fought last night, Amir Khan and no one listened to it. Who? No. Yes. So anyway, everyone was betting on one man. The others were betting on another man. But do you know what? Along comes a glass jaw and a big punch. There's nothing you... See, you can box and beat the air and think you're doing really well. But it's not until you face an opposition that you realize what have you got in your life. Oh, I could look good at the front here right now. I can box a little. I can jab a little. I can do an uppercut. I can... But then I could ask Chris to come up. Chris, come up. Oh, come on, Chris, just for a bit of fun. Come on. 
See, we, we, we call him Chris, but he's actually Tyson Fury. Don't tell anyone, all right? Okay, so I, I, I was doing all right whilst I was boxing in the shadows. <laughs> now it's like, <laughs> how, how, how big's your reach? No, keep it, keep, keep it going, keep it going. No, right on my chin. Oh, I, mm. <laughs> this, this is not a fair fight. <laughs> so, this, can you see, whilst you're beating the air, you're going to look good. But we all face an opposition. And, and Chris is not my opposition, he's the son-in-law-to-be. <laughs> so he doesn't mind if I go... <laughs> he doesn't mind... <laughs> We, in our journey, need to be aware we have an enemy which we cannot see. And we're beating the air, but we have an enemy that is unseen. So whilst we're beating what looks like the air, we're actually fighting a war, a battle that is so important. It's called spiritual warfare. And Paul here is using an illustration that if we're just beating the air without an awareness of what we're doing, we need to face our opposition and see that there, even though it's not flesh, it's more real than flesh. We go around and when an opposition, you know, you're pushing your trolley down in, in Asda and someone overcuts you, <laughs> and then you look up and you think, okay, <laughs> don't mind me, I'll just go the other way. We can have attitudes, we can have issues with people or situations. We can bump into hurdles and problems that come our way. But the biggest obstacle in our life is the unseen. What we don't encounter, what we cannot see, what we cannot grab hold of. And it's really important that we have an awareness that we should be spiritually on top of our game. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> we have got to be spiritually on top of our game so that you are fighting fit, so that you are ready when not a physical obstacle comes in your way, but a spiritual obstacle. What is the first thing that you do when you encounter spiritual attack in your life? Do you cower away or do you put on the armor of God? The guys on, on on the uh, men's uh, connect group the other week, we were talking about the armor of God and how important it is that we as the men of the house put on the armor of God, that we live prepared. Here, he's saying, look, don't disqualify yourself. Don't even think about entering the race unless you're prepared to win. Because we've got to win this race. Every day is another race. I put it this way to someone the other day, because we're talking about laps. Every year that you live is another lap. Every year that you live, you're running your next best lap, or you're living another lap of your life. When I ran the 1,500 meters, I, it, it was round and round in circles, three and three quarters time. You just keep going around the same lap, but you're, you're doing something different on each of those laps. The first one, you may be pacing yourself with the, with the group. 
The next one is you're working out who's perhaps the faster ones within that group and you begin to push a little bit faster. Not full speed, but you're pushing a bit faster. On the third lap, you're beginning to pick up that pace that much more because you're hoping now to separate the crowd. And on that third, well, that fourth three quarters of a lap, you are now opening up, you're, you're releasing the accelerator in your life, and you're pulling away. Do you remember some of those in the room? Steve Cram. Steve Cram was a man that could open up and accelerate out when no one else could keep up with him. That is what the best lap of our life looks like. We're working, we're planning, we're going for it, and then the best lap is when we accelerate off. We need to be in a place where we're beginning to accelerate off. The Apostle Paul described the Christian life as a fight or a race. How would you describe yours? Pause. Sila. I'm not going to go on yet. If Paul described it as a fight, and as he described it as a race, how do you describe your Christian life? It's a good thought. Don't brush over it. Don't say, come on, Jeff, get on with the next part. How would you describe your Christian life? Because I believe this is so significant in the journey. Because Paul likened it to a competition. He's, in, he's saying, this is a competition. This is, he's talking about the Isthmian games. He's talking about those that were on the running track. And he's likening... He's likening the words of what he's describing to the Christian experience. And he's saying, look, hey, when you're on the track, you don't go out there just to be on the track and plod around. You go out to win. You go out to achieve. You go out to win the winner's crown. And he uses this moment to, 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 to talk about athletes, and then he straight away takes it to the Christian experience. And it's this moment that, that the church was probably just sat there thinking, oh, yeah, he knows a lot about the games. He, he knows a lot about sport. But all of a sudden, he takes it as a tangent and said, this is us. This is our journey. This is what we should be doing. And he says this, they do it to get a crown that will not last. But we, for a crown that will last forever, run in such a way that you obtain it. Run in such a way. An imperishable crown. An imperish- a cr- they ran for a, well, in the Isthmian games, it was a leek crown. A leek. Can you imagine a leek on your head? A leek crown. In the Olympic games, it was um, the leaf crown. But in the Isthmian games, it was a leek. I'd sooner be in the Olympics. If I'm honest, rather than have a leek around my head. But there we go. But here he's saying, we have an imperishable crown, a crown that never fades away. Our prize is to run the race and to obtain the prize. You know, our prize is eternity. Our prize is to be with Jesus for eternity. Can you imagine that moment in heaven when you come face to face with the one that you've been running with and running for all the days that you've been on earth? Can you imagine that moment? No wonder the, the elders in heaven are casting down their crowns before him. And, and, and every time there's praise in heaven, they pick up their crown and throw it before him again. 
You know, no wonder we can sing songs like Crown Him with Many Crowns. Why? Because we're going to be given, every single one of us in this room are going to be given an imperishable crown. One day, it's going to come. In James, it says this, James chapter 1. It says, blessed and happy to be envied is the man who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. For when he has stood the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown. Here's another one. You know, one minute we're receiving an imperishable crown. Now we're going to be receiving the victor's crown, which God has promised to those who love him. Stephen, you love God, don't you? You're going to get a crown of life. That crown of life. Jeff, you love him, don't you? You're going to receive the crown of life. You know, God doesn't just give out crowns willy-nilly. He gives them out for those who have been patient under trial and stood the test under temptation. And when they have stood the test and been approved, they're going to receive the victor's crown. Oh, pressure comes. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We go through life and there are things that come against us. There's pressure. There's things that happen that don't seem fair. But do you know what? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. We just need to be patient under test and under toil and under temptation and under all those things. And the crown of life will be given. The, the goal of the Christian isn't to aimlessly wander in life. It's not just to, to take, it, take it easy, chill out, let others be busy, and I'm just enjoying. Can you imagine, just, just for a scenario, just suddenly thought, if every person in the room tithed, we wouldn't be needing to go and get grants for the building. If every person rolled up their sleeves, not everybody would have to be two, two or three jobs. It's just, it's just, it's everybody doing everything together. Jane used it. Oh no, are you going to share this or not? In that case, I won't share what Jane's going to share. Jane said to me the other day, she said, we call ourselves family church. And we are the family, the household of faith. And just like any household, you know, my children, our children will remember, everybody had a job after dinner. Someone had to clear away, someone had to clear the table, someone had to wash up, someone had to dry up, someone had to do the hoover, someone did the ironing. You think, what did you do? Well, I, I did other jobs as well, <laughs> I'm going to show you. But we all had something that we did, and that's how we see family and how it worked for us. And I guess that's how it works within the household of faith as well, that we're all busy doing something together. We all need to be growing together. We all need to be involved together. We need to be committed together. Just as an athlete prepares himself for the race, we need to prepare ourselves for when he comes home. When he comes to receive the church, whether we're alive or not, whether we're handing the church over to the next generation, we need to be running in such a way that we're an example to all these little ones in the house that they see how Christianity should be lived, and we hand a baton onto the next generation. That's so important. Because if we don't hand on a baton, 
that is recognisable as one who gave their life to the Lord, the next generation will become even more wishy-washy, even less committed, even less... You know, in the old days, those who were in church for many generations, in the old days, you went to church in the morning, you went to church again in the evening. You went to church on a Tuesday and you went to church on a Thursday. Anyone remember those days? To get people out on a midweek meeting today is so hard. To come and pray to the Lord our God is so hard. To go out to a connect group and be with the brothers and sisters in Christ is so hard. What are we handing to the next generation? We've got to take hold of our Christianity once again and begin to run with shoes prepared on our feet, our shorts ready to go, and run this race for Jesus. There are times, I guess, in our lives when in competition, those moments when we have big events and we're all sort of together and we're making it happen, they're great. But you know what? It's the everyday running of the church, the everyday running of the body, the everyday living as a Christian. Each one of us need to be in competition readiness in our life. I guess in every competition... And, you know, has anybody ever been to an athletics competition? Anyone? Yeah? Is that because you were there running? Oh, no, you've been to the Olympics 2012. That's right. No? Was you running? Yeah. I've been, I, I was in athletics competition and I was running. My parents were in the, in the stadium watching as they saw me come second to last. Oh, it's awful. I was running against older kids. They, I was so good, I was running against olders, but I, I wasn't that good. Um, but I, are we, as a church, as an individual, are we spectating or are we participating? See, I'm, I'm, I'm t- I just want to throw questions out to you this morning. Are you, are you spectating as a Christian? Are you spectating in the household? Or are you participating? See, I, 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 is Tim here today? Who's on teas and coffees today? Jerry. Who's on teas and coffees with you, Jerry? Stacy. Okay, brilliant. I, I, could, I could do with another five people on, on hosting this morning. Not just this morning, next week, Rota. Five people. White, black, English, African, Chinese, Polish, I don't care what nationality. All to- coffee and toffee. <laughs> All toffees and, and coffees taste the same to me. Um, so I don't care how it's made. You can't, don't have to be a coffee expert. If you can make coffee, why not join that team and be helping someone else who doesn't have a team? Because as we're coming back, we're trying to build teams that work. Kids Church. Kids Church are in with us this morning. Um, but every time we do kids' church, we have less kids. Have you noticed that? Why? Because parents would prefer not to look after their kids and take them to kids' church than to have them in the meeting where they make noise and be themselves, which I haven't got a problem with. So we're just trying to build what's right, how it works, and how it's going to best work as we move forward. But if we had more kids' church team, then we wouldn't need the kids' church workers in once a month to have a break. So it's, it's about, hey, how can we help? We need all hands on deck. All hands. See, 
you know, in the Navy, Kerwin, Pastor Kerwin, you're in the Navy, yes? Still up. Yeah. If you're on the boat, ship, <laughs> I corrected myself before I was corrected. <laughs> if you're on board ship, it's all hands on deck. If you're having a break one, one moment, you've done your shift of six hours or eight hours and you're on board ship, if the, if the call comes, all hands, calling all hands or whatever they do, it doesn't matter whether you've done a long shift, you are called to be all hands. Yeah. I'm pleased I got that right. <laughs> but you do get a break and someone else takes your shift. That's called rotating shifts. So we need rotating shifts in church for church to run effectively or else we're running with other people on our back and it's hard work. You see what I'm saying? But it's not to please the pastor and it's not really to relieve others, each other. It's because there's a race to run and there's a prize to win and there's a crown. There's a crown for you to receive. But it's given to those who run. How important is that crown to you? Because that crown is determined by how fast you run. It's got to be, isn't it? Because if you've got to run to win, then to run to win to obtain that crown, you've got to give it your all until Jesus comes or you go to be with him in glory. There's no half-heartedness. There's no give or take. There's no, it's, it's constantly giving to the things of God. And the more we do, the more we share the load. The more we share the load, the more we can give each other a rotational break. So what am I saying? There's a crown. Let's not make running to please one another the goal. Let's make the crown the goal. Rosemary, that moment when Jesus comes up to you with that crown. <laughs> Maureen, I was going to whop your, whop your hat off and just give it to her. Rosemary, Jesus is going to come to you with a crown. It's a crown. It's the cr an imperishable crown. No one can take that crown from you. But we can disqualify ourselves by not running as we ought. If we don't run as we ought, as in run to win... We disqualify ourselves from the crown. Not eternal life with Jesus, no. But from that crown that says you gave your all, you ran with all your might, you gave it everything you had. There is no retirement in the household of faith. Paul just kept going to the day he died. I've often thought, Lord, I don't want to die before my time because I'm doing too much. But I want to do so much when I'm old that I die doing his will. There is absolutely no point to retirement if I'm not doing his will in it. All right, so maybe I'll just keep preaching and preaching. There are five crowns in the New Testament. Five crowns that you and I can receive. Five of them. Listen to these. Five heavenly crowns. They are the imperishable crown. They are the crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, 
and the crown of life. You know, the Greek word translated crown is Stephanos. Stephanos, the, the, the source of that name came from Stephen the martyr, who gave of his life running for Jesus. He gave of his life. Okay, yes, he was, he was stoned to death before his time came, before the end of his life. But he gave his life running for Jesus. He gave him everything he had. This word stevanos comes from this word martyr, Stephen. And it's a badge of royalty, a prize in the public games, or a symbol of honor. That's what we're going to receive. It's that symbol of honor. You honored me, I want to honor you. It's that badge of recognition that comes from Jesus. In the, in the Isthmian games, it was that wreath, that garland around the head of the victor of the race. They didn't have first, second, and third in those days. You only got it if you came first. Let me put it this way, and I've not heard anybody else say this. We all have a race. You have your race. You're not called to run my race. I'm not called to run your race. But we are called to run this race. It's a personal walk with God. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I am in the race that God set before me. I'm meant to run my race the best I can. You're not meant to run my race. You're not in my race. You're in your own race. Are you winning your own race at your pace, at the right pace? That is so important to me, that everyone in this room, we, we, we may be heading all in the same direct direction, we're all heading towards God, but we're running our own race. Jesus knows that for me to get from here to there is going to take me 86 years of my life, or 103 years. Jane wants me to, she wants to get to 100, so I can't get to 103. 103 years of my life, I'm running for God. That's my life. That's my race. Your race, you may be saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go anytime now. Well, if that's true and you've lived a long life, great. But let's run our race, my personal race before God, with everything that's in my heart. Paul used this same word as it reveals God's promise to those who remain faithful to the journey. I believe we've missed something as a church. I believe the church as a whole has missed something that is so important. It's not man-pleasing. It's God-pleasing. It is that crown. And we're going to look at several scriptures over the next week. We're going to look at these five crowns individually. I want you, Marie, to win that crown because it's your race. I want I want you, Stevie, I want you, Jerry, I want you, Alan Hazel, Jeff and Pat, I want you, Lyndon and Margaret, I want you to be running this race to obtain your prize, to obtain that gift of God, that, that gift of righteousness, that gift of that crown, that gift of an imperishable crown that is yours. There will be a crowning moment. I don't know what that's going to look like in heaven. But there comes a moment when you receive that crown. 
then all heaven rejoices and immediately you bow and you throw it at Jesus' feet, but you receive the crown. You will receive a crown. That crown may not have meant anything to you until right now. But I want to run to get that crown. I want to run my life. I want to expel everything that is in me. Every ounce of energy that's left in my life, I want to expel it before I'm taken home. Because he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of a full life given to him. All things on this earth are subject to decay. Everything that we experience on this, le- on this life is going to fade into insignificance. Everything that you work for. We were talking about this the other day. The mortgage that you've worked all your life. Uh, naturally speaking, my mortgage gets paid off when I'm 70. I've worked all my life to pay this thing off. And then I go to heaven and my house is sold by my kids and divided up between them. And the government gets the largest chunk. And I think, wow, what, what is this life all about? It's about eternity. It's not about this life. It's all about eternity. Our kids isn't about looking after kids while everybody else is in the meeting. It's about imparting into those children the seeds of truth that one day they will receive the truth and they will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's all about imparting to a generation that is yet to come. We can't take it with us. So let's live our life here thinking about eternity. We can't take anything with us except for the gift that God has given us. Listen to this. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What treasure? The crown. The crown. That's the only treasure. We're laying up treasures in heaven. They're crowns. We're laying up crowns. We got a visitor, Paul, with us this morning. And as we were chatting this morning, you talked about crowns and how you came to know, in to know the Lord at that moment. And, 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 and as I sat there chatting to you, yeah, I thought, you don't know what's coming. But he's done nothing but smile all the way through the meeting. It's lovely. But it's this incredible... You and I are running and we're laying up treasures in heaven called crowns. We're laying up treasures in heaven called crowns. Your crown is your responsibility. Come on, let's begin to run. Let's begin to make it look like we're giving him our all. Let's begin to run in such a way. Not being man-pleasers, but God-pleasers in this journey. I've written this down. There is a crown for those who've run this race. For those who have given their heart, their time, their gifts, and their talents to God. A crown that he himself will give. Do you desire that crown? It's amazing. Last week, it was funny. This week, I, just, I feel like I want to just let things rest. 
I want the, the weight of things that I've said to rest on your heart. Do you desire that crown? Then run your best lap. Do you desire Jesus to come before you, to stand before you and say, here is your imperishable crown. Run. Run. Run this best lap. Run in such a way that you obtain the prize. Run with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, because you running for God reveals your heart for Him. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. The way we show our love to Him is the way we run for Him. Run. Run. It's time for us not to focus. Sorry, it's time for us to refocus not running with uncertainty, as, he, as Paul said, but with, with a disciplined and focused mind. Bring in our focus. There are so many people that over the last two years have been so distracted by other things. You know, school, school activities, out extra activities for kids outside school time more things that we did before we came into COVID and people are so distracted by other things and God has been left on the sidelines. He's meant to be the center of it all. So let's put on our running shoes. You say, oh, it's a bit hard to get down there these days. It doesn't matter how hard it is to get down there. Put them on. And I don't care whether you go... You know, Phil at one time, he was not Olympic runner, but he, he used to, he's run every great South run that has ever been. He is, he is a bit of my hero. Every great South, South run for the last 30 years. How many marathons? 40? 80 marathons. Who, who in the room's done a marathon? <laughs> 80 marathons. If you want to know what it's like to stand on the starting line and think, i got 26 miles, 386 yards, or whatever it is, it's a long way to go. That's the Christian life. But you have to start by putting your shoes on. You've never gone to a race without putting your running shoes on, Phil, have you? We're in a race, church. It's time to get our racing shoes on, our running shoes on. Get on the track. Find our lane. Remember, this is your lane. This is about you and God. Not about me, not about everybody else in the room. It's about you and God, your journey, your race. And then run for Jesus. Run. However that looks. Saving souls, run, do it. Keep running, saving souls. Faithful in prayer, run at being faithful in prayer. Join in the team, be faithful not just say, oh, that's a good idea. No, no, go and do it. Some in the room today need to deal with the worldly distractions that have come along and taken our attention off of Jesus 
the author and the finisher, the beginner and the end, the one who's before us and at the end of the race, he's going to be there. He's cheering us on. Just like the great cloud of witnesses, Jesus is cheering you on in your journey. That's why he knows when you get to the end, because he's at the finish. He's already there. He's got a crown waiting. Now it's down to us to run our best race. Are we, are we running our best lap for Jesus? Let me just pray. Father, you know every heart in this room. You know every life. You know every circumstance. Lord, you know the journey of our life. Father, I pray that we will take off those comfortable slippers that cause us just to chill out and be at rest. But Lord, we would put on the running shoes. And Father, that we would run in rest our race before you. Doing, Lord, what you've called us to do. Not looking to the left or to the right, but having our eyes fixed on you. And Father, I thank you that there is a crown. A crown that you've prepared for every single person in this room. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is a crown that's waiting but you'll never find that crown until you accept Jesus in your life. And today I just want to give you an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're going to pray a very simple prayer which will enable you to accept Jesus in your life. So church, would you just pray this nice and loud after me this morning? Jesus, I come to you today. I thank you that you saved me that you've given me a second chance, that you've dealt with my sin, and you've dealt with my past. And today, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Give me a second chance. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. While every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, Simple as it is, if you prayed that prayer this morning sincerely in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. If you've prayed that prayer this morning in your heart, I'm just going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to respond to that prayer by popping up your hand. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer this morning, just pop your hand up. Anybody in this room? Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you this morning that salvation belongs to our God. And Father, I thank you that you have saved us, you've changed us, you've transformed us. And Father, that it is your strength in our life that enables us to run for you. Lord, we yield our lives to you. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord.